This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Protect yourself against life setbacks with Set for Life Insurance. Set for Life Insurance gets you disability and life insurance at a reduced cost with their exclusive discounts. Now that's why I use them. Visit www.setforlifeinsurance.com and tell them Dr. Darko sent you. Hey docs, are you looking to learn how to become a physician leader? Then Physician CEO is for you. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program designed for physicians and developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. What's up and what's good? Welcome to not just any episode of Docs Outside the Box. This is the 100th episode. Mad excited. I'm Dr. Nee, the doc outside the box, and thank you for joining me. So listen, I'm going to talk to you all about a lot of things that have been going on behind the scenes, but more importantly, some important themes that I've learned from previous guests, things that I've learned over these past three years that have kind of helped the show to grow. But before I get into that, you know, I'm really, I I don't know if you all know, but I'm really excited about virtual mentorship. I'm really excited about just kind of creating a mastermind of people who you can learn from without them necessarily being physically in front of you, mainly because that's how me and my wife were able to get out of debt so quickly. We listened to podcasts, we watched YouTube videos, we read blogs, and basically these people who we were watching, listening to, reading, they basically became virtual mentors to us. So I've always I've always thought that this is a really powerful medium for you all to learn, um, for you all to change behavior, um, particularly if you live in areas where or are around people who don't necessarily have the same mindset as you. Um, f- during that time when we were paying off debt, me and my wife were living in a very rural area and people kind of thought we were crazy that we were paying off our debt so quickly. So be, to be able to you know, have these resources that consistently um, you know, pressed upon paying off debt and debt not being normal really helped us push past you know, those uh, awkward moments of talking to people or just, you know, feeling like you're on an island. It helped us get off of that a lot quicker. So I want to ask you all some questions and I want to tell you about an online series that I'm going to be a part of, something that I'm really proud of. So I just want to know, I'm going to ask you all, is it a struggle to maintain balance between work and home? Do you ever wonder if you're spending way too much time focusing on your career and maybe not enough time with your family? Do you wish you were more fulfilled in your life, right? I talk about this on my show sometimes where I talk about there's a difference between success as well as fulfillment. And, you know, the other question that I want to ask is, (laughs) is there such a thing as work-life balance? You know, like, is anybody really truly balanced, right? But is there such a thing as being able to balance work and life? And then for some of you all who have realized that, you know, you are a physician and you're doing what you you know, have always wanted to do, but maybe have developed or have some passions that you've had to suppress and they're starting to come up now. How can you take that passion? How can you take that talent and use it to really reach your full potential? So I'm here to tell you that it's time to stop stressing about this and you need to start taking action and you need to start succeeding. So I teamed up with Dr. Sheila Parai. She is a physician who is located north of the border, A. <laughs> She's also known as the relaxed doctor and she reached out to me and asked if I would participate 
in her online interview series all about these topics. And it's called The Relaxed Doctor, Creative Tips to Boost Your Resilience and Create the Work-Life Balance You've Always Wanted. And I got a free ticket for you all. That's right, free, 99. You don't have to pay anything. doesn't cost you anything at all. It's free. It's online. And I want you all to attend. She has gotten uh, about 15, I'd have to say, badass business-minded speakers. And they are passionate about sharing their wealth of knowledge with you. And each one of us is, um, you know, we're all eager to, to try to share that knowledge of you and empower you all to live your best, most successful life. So I want you all to join me. I want you to listen to the other people who are going to be on The Relaxed Doctor. Um, this is going to be an online series that you're going to learn some strategies for living a better, more fulfilled life. And this series starts April 7th. Okay, So I want you all to click on the show notes or if you're listening right now and you're writing this down, I want you to go to The Relaxed doctor.com forward slash Dr. Nee Darko, D-R-N-I-I-D-A-R-K-O. Once again, it starts April 7th and you click on the link, which is called the relaxed doctor.com forward slash Dr. Nee Darko. And there you can learn about how to register um, as well as all the details behind this online speaker series. I definitely recommend that you all check this out. Now, on to this episode. So look, you know, oftentimes I get an opportunity to reach back to my previous guest and whether it's three months, six months, whatever the interval is, I always reach out and just say, how are you doing? How can I help you? Um, like what's new going on in your life? And with one in particular, I've been able to kind of keep in contact with this person. He's one of my earlier guests on the show. Keep in contact with him and find out what's been going on with his business, what's been going on with his life. And it's, it's really exciting, actually. And, um, you know, got an opportunity to kind of chat about not only him, he kind of turned the tables around and asked me questions about, you know, what I'm doing with my career as well as what I'm doing with Docs Outside the Box, Darko Media Group. And I got an opportunity to share with him some new products that I'm coming at. Well, that I came out with one being 10 Days to Podcasting which is a uh, 10-day intensive course teaching people how to podcast. Check it out at www.10daystopodcasting.com um, through a little plug in there. But got an opportunity to share that with him, and he asked me a whole bunch of questions that helped me to kind of think about things in, in a different light. And I've been kind of ruminating on these things and wondering, wow, um, you know, I wonder if I should share these things with you all on my 100th episode, and that's what I'm going to do. So over these past three years, you know, there have been a lot of things that have been going on in my mind that have chi- that have changed, you know, my thought process on Darko Media Group, on Docs Outside the Box, um, from just being a podcast and a passion project to being a business. And where I fit along in that spectrum, not only as a man, not only as a family man, um, but also as a physician and also as an entrepreneur. So, you know, the thing that I want to talk to you about is how I've been juggling my career as a doctor and now as an entrepreneur, which I'm not going to lie to you, has been really difficult, right? Because, you know, starting from the beginning, like I knew from early on in my life, from childhood living in New York City, that I wanted to be a doctor, right? I was really focused. I was very determined to do that. And I knew that I loved science. I knew that I loved biology. I knew that I loved helping people. Um, and for me, c- combining those 
those qualities as well as, you know, everybody knows or everybody knew at that time that doctors had autonomy and I'm a very independent guy. If you knew me from back then, <laughs> that's what everybody knew. Like I'm very independent. I like to do things on my own. I just felt like this was the perfect combo for me. And, you know, let's fast forward. I just was really, I had a very single mindedness of purpose. I knew that nothing was going to stop me and I hit a bunch of potholes, but eventually I, I got on the path to becoming a doctor. I, I got all the credentials. I got all the degrees and, you know, I wanted to become a trauma director. I wanted to become a trauma surgeon. And looking back though, I, I feel like my existence was laid out to be a doctor, at least so I thought. And I think that put me in a box and I started to have these feelings of, you know, what does that mean to be a doctor? What does that mean to just feel like you're made to be a doctor? And these things started changing for me during residency. And I really started to kind of think about what it meant to be autonomous, what it meant to have autonomy, to kind of be an independent person, to always do what's right for the patient, wondering what other people, what other entities will think. Because being in a hospital system, I really started to notice that was occurring as a resident. But I really started to 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 really embrace like feeling like I'm an individual and that started to help me kind of step a little bit outside of the box of just being a physician making decisions without being overridden by a bureaucracy a hospital a company red tape you know and once I graduated from fellowship and started practicing on my own I realized that a lot of those feelings for me were replaced with you know having to work a set number of shifts and there's no wiggle room through that having constant scrutiny on everything that I do on my patients. And I don't look, I think that everything, I think a lot of things should be scrutinized in medicine, right? A lot of things need to be, there needs to be oversight, but I think that we're at a point where there's just too much scrutiny and people are starting to get anxiety. Doctors get anxiety about this. They start to doubt themselves. And I think that and, and on many occasions, you know, being a surgeon, the morbidity and mortality or otherwise known as the M&M conference can be kind of punitive as opposed to an opportunity to learn. So, you know, I, I, I felt these things. And also the last thing I felt was just doing what's best for the hospital as opposed to doing what's best for patients as well as for me. You know, so I just felt as though there was a, a significant change in how I felt, you know, prior to residency and then how I definitely felt as I became an attending. And I had enough and I started looking for more. And it wasn't until I started doing locums again that I really started to maintain my mojo. And as you know, people who don't do locums or people who are not very familiar with locums, locums from the doctor's perspective is basically you work when you want, you work how you want to an extent, and you make as much as you can based off of the time that you work. If you work a little bit, you're not going to make much. If you work a lot, you're going to work a lot, but also understand that you're trading time for dollars. So it's a really positive opportunity for doctors to really kind of break outside and kind of understand and look at themselves as a small business because that's what they are. You're getting paid as an independent contractor. And for me, it, the way how I looked at these hospitals, it was almost like they were hiring my business to perform a, a work for them. And this ultimately led to less stress because I was able to separate myself from the business. If they needed extra time, I always looked at it as if they were asking for extra time from any vendor that they had, whether it's, you know, a tech guy, a plumber or what have you. And rather than be upset, like before when I was salaried, I just know that if they ask for extra time, I can either say yes, if I can do it um, or no. And it helped actually not only doing that, it really helped me to get rid of the guilt that I admit 
I used to have when I would tell people no, right? Because I can be a people pleaser at times to a fault. So knowing that as a business, if someone asks me if I can do certain things, I either say yes or I say no. And I don't feel guilty about it. And I'm, I'm able to move on. And I bring this up because that's when juggling my career and an entrepreneur began. And that actually wasn't that big of a struggle at that moment. I realized that I started to become more fulfilled in my career because I know that I was starting to be able to find some type of semblance of balance, right? Like, does anybody really have it, right? Some type of semblance of balance that I've been searching for. Um, I was taking care of people the way I have always wanted to take care of people, but also at the same time, I was walking this path of being an entrepreneur, and that was mad exciting. I've learned that you know, if you've worked hard to build up your career, you really don't have to sacrifice it to start something new. You just have to recycle it, have to look at it from a different perspective. And if you've got the drive to make it happen, it is possible to juggle both, but it's not going to be easy. I'm telling you right now. And that's the reason why I started Docs Outside the Box, because at that moment, I felt as though I was alone and I really wanted to create a community with the podcast but also at the same time, I wanted to learn f- from my successful friends, my successful network of people who are just really doing some cool things. I'm like, man, I want to get this on wax. I want to record this. And if anybody wants to listen along the way, that's great. I didn't know that it would kind of start this whole you know, movement of people you know, thinking similar. You know, but it's, it, it was just something that I just really wanted to get um, get on tape so other people can hear and feel like they weren't alone. So I'm going to share with you some quick tips that I've used to really juggle that standpoint, juggle that that career as well as the entrepreneurship, and really help you all to kind of understand how I'm doing things right now. So the first foremost thing <laughs> that I did was I got a virtual assistant. So for all of you who don't know, a virtual assistant is basically an assistant that you work with uh, through electronic means, through phone or through the internet, and you meet with this person and they help you with a lot of different things. They can do anything from getting groceries, from um, getting your laundry, if you have a virtual assistant who's local, to basically someone who's able to unload so many different things like what I'm doing with my company, with my locums company, a lot of the um, minute things that take a long time to get done that were keeping me away from really growing the locums business to the area in which I wanted to grow it. And I say this because you might want to do everything yourself, which was me. I had to do everything myself. There was a certain pride in doing everything by myself. And for you who are listening right now, if you're a resident, if you are a doctor, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that's how we are trained. You have to do everything by yourself. If you admit a patient from the ED, then you probably have been in a residency program. I was in a residency program where you had to draw the labs. Then you had to push your patient to radiology. Then you had to bring them upstairs. I mean, it was just crazy. And it was almost became like a point of pride that you've been able to do this. But, you know, this is not really a, a successful formula for business, right? You simply don't have the time to do that. If you want to grow your business, you can't do everything. You can't do the minute details. You have to break free from that mentality. And I had to hire someone to take some of that load off of me so that I can free up some time so that I can really do the things that I wanted to do. I have a virtual assistant right now that is amazing. You are going to hear from her in a future episode. I went ahead and interviewed her 
she's amazing. She's probably listening to right now. Cheryl is the bomb. Um, but prior to that, um, I, I had gone through some virtual assistants and, um, I had to learn to hire fast and to fire fast. And what that means is, um, you know, I stopped getting so caught up on the minute things, um, of their CV and just said, look, this sounds like this is going to work. Let's see how it works. And if it didn't work, you know, I had to let them go pretty quickly. There, were, there, there never was any hard feelings, but I always just got the concept of hire fast, fire fast. And now I have a virtual assistant that I will do anything not to let go of. She is is great. But I definitely recommend that you all consider getting a virtual assistant, even just to help you with your daily schedule, with your calendar, making sure that your calendar and your your significant other's calendar, you know, makes sense or even your ch- your child's calendar, your child's schedule makes sense. You know, whatever you're doing on the side, making sure that that doesn't conflict with your schedule. Getting a virtual assistant was a game changer for me. Time management was, is also huge. I thought because I used Google Calendar that I was a good time manager, um, which is actually far from the truth. I'm talking about, quote unquote, protecting time, right? I am a self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed excuse me, workaholic, and I'm not realistic with time. What I mean by that is, you know, someone like me, if there's space in the calendar, I will use it. And I'm the type of person that needs to, I don't like space in my calendar. And that is, I think, a detriment because I can schedule interviews like three hours before I'm flying out to a locum's position or flying away, which doesn't make sense, right? So I can do the interview, get the interview done, but rather than really focused and relaxed on the interview, I'm really worried about, should I pack my bags? Should I be on the way to the airport? Am I going to be late? Am I going to miss my flight? When, you know, there are a lot more efficient ways to handle my schedule, you know, interviewing guests at 11 a.m. instead of 4 p.m. when I'm on night shift. Right. During that time, at 11 a.m., I should be sleeping. Right. And then I if I wake up at three o'clock or four o'clock, then I can do an episode there. So there are a lot of things that I do in the past that I'm not really um, I wasn't very good at. Right. And because you use Google Calendar or because you you use a book. It doesn't mean that you're great at time management or you're good at protecting time. You have to give yourself more time to do what you are passionate about. And that includes clinical medicine. Okay. So the thing that I'm struggling with right now, and you know, look, I'm an open book. I'm very open with you all is, does it mean having to cut back on clinical time to grow your business? Right. I follow someone called John Henry on YouTube um, he has a show that's on Vice called Hustle. I encourage you all to take a look at this show. The show is the bomb. But one of his first episodes was he was helping a business. This woman made jam and she had a full-time job. And on the side, she was creating jam. And he was there to help her take her jam business literally to the next level to be the jam. Right. And one of the things that he said to her is that if she's looking for investors, if she's looking to be considered a serious entrepreneur, he never invests in entrepreneurs who are not full-time entrepreneurs, you know, and that really resonated with me because, you know, I've been wondering like, well, like is, is somewhere cosmically, was he really talking to me? And, you know, it's just one of those things that I really think about, like, you know, those who don't know when I work as a locums and, Definitely when I was working, when I was employed and still doing locums on the side, I basically was working 2.0 FTE 
And when I was doing my episodes initially during those times, I was doing my episodes when I was in airports. I was doing my episodes, you know, anytime I can fit it. And that's when it was a passion project. It wasn't until I really started to be more consistent and more successful and started to pull back a little bit that I really started to see the gains. So that's something that I I'm started to think about also is what does it mean to be part-time as a clinician? Why am I fighting that as a, as a, as a physician? Is it something that I should consider? And will that ultimately help me grow my business? It's just something that I, I encourage you all to think about. It's something that I'm thinking about myself also. Um, and I think it's definitely something that <laughs> in a while you're going to hear a, a significant change from me that's coming up. And I encourage you all to kind of think about this also. The other thing too is have a firm mindset. When you're juggling your career as well as you know, juggling life as an entrepreneur, you need to have a a firm mindset because you're going to be walking this road alone, right? You have to understand that doctors, people have done this in the past, but a lot of them don't necessarily talk about it. Okay. And I think that that occurs because there's a stigma that's attached to this. You're not entirely focused on medicine. Like what's wrong with you? Like, what are you going to do about your patients? Like what about the service? Like what about the service I'm talking about from what the service line is from a hospital standpoint, from a trauma surgery standpoint, from whatever the, 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 that, that services it is, what's going to happen there as opposed to really focusing on you. Nobody really talks about, you know, those things. And I think as a result, oftentimes people who have passions outside of medicine don't get that opportunity to find that support group. And, you know, I say it again, that's the reason why Docs Outside the Box exists, so that when you're listening to this podcast, you can hear the themes, you can hear from other people who may have felt the same way as you and decided to push past that feeling, push past, you know, those moments of discouragement or lonesomeness and were able to kind of push past that and succeed. So remember, you're going to feel like you're on this path by yourself, but you're not, right? It's not going to be a very easy road to take. It's not going to be a very easy path to take, but you got to keep pushing, All right. You're going to feel discouraged. I'm not even going to lie to you. I felt discouraged two days ago with something, but I'm going to push past that mainly because I feel like taking that path is going to lead to a better place for me as well as a better place for the podcast. So I encourage you all to keep your eyes on the prize. Trust me, the prize is going to be sweet when you get to that point. The other thing too, that I want you all to understand is virtual mentorship is real. I'm telling you, Go out there and there is someone who is writing about this, blogging about whatever you're feeling or whatever you're thinking about. Someone is doing a vlog about it. Someone is podcasting about this right now. Like this is not like in the 80s. This is not like in the early 90s or even before Web 2.0 where you couldn't really connect with people. You know, there's something for everyone out there. Trust me. I mean, it is there's something out there for you You guys need to be searching out there for virtual mentorship. And now a word from our sponsor. Understanding how to run a business in medicine will put you at a unique advantage in the future. Whether it's leading a hospital, practice, or starting a new venture, the Physician CEO program will put you in focus from day one. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. The Physician CEO program provides an intensive MBA style education made up of modules with each module covering topics from leadership to entrepreneurial ventures. Because of their individualized structure, each participant leaves the program with their one, three, and even five-year business plan 
all designed to function in the real world. If you're a physician who is looking to start your own venture, lead your practice or department, or even start planning for succession out of medicine, then you can't afford to miss this opportunity. Class is filling up. Learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Now, this next topic is big. I can go into so many different tangents with this topic. This topic is called overcoming imposter syndrome. And this is something that I've had to deal with, something that I had to fight with, something that I continue to fight with. And um, wow, you know, it's something that I feel very passionate about. For those who are listening and don't know what imposter syndrome is, I'm just going to tell you some of the things that you may feel and then you can kind of determine for your own if you feel this way too. But basically, it's that feeling when you feel like you don't know enough Someone will, you know, quote unquote, out you, um, quote unquote, you sometimes feel like, who am I to speak on this? Like, I'm a fraud. And, um, you know, it's actually been studied. There's research studies on this. Um, you know, so if you're a medical student and you're listening to this podcast or if you're a resident or a young attending, you've probably felt like this at one point. Like if you're a medical student, you know, raise your hand if you felt like this, like you are in a room by yourself with a patient and with their family, maybe. And you know more than the patient, you know more than a family, but you think that they think <laughs> that you don't know what you're talking about. Or maybe you may be with a nurse and you're telling her what's going on or you're talking to her about something. And you just have the sensation that she doesn't think that you know what you're talking about because you're not alongside the rest of your crew, which, you know, obviously are maybe, you know, residents and, and physicians. Um, or if you're an attending, you know, after all the years of training, you got all the credentials, you got all the degrees and you finally got the opportunity to practice on your own terms, but you're worried that someone's going to call you out on patient care, you know? Um, so it's, um, you know, I felt this way clinically at one point. I don't feel that way anymore. I just kind of was like, (laughs) chuck the deuces to that. I've already gotten everything that I needed to get. You can't question me on it. And I know that my standard of my care is standard and I do excellent care, but I felt this way about my podcast. It took me a while to really start having solo episodes. Actually, I I really on purpose had my episode, had my show be interview style based because I just didn't want to put myself out there and have these long solo episodes because I just felt like, like I just didn't have, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel confident enough to have solo episodes. Okay. Um, and not only was imposter syndrome, you know, creeping in on my podcast, but it also crept in on my own locums business, right? And I started making excuses for what I do outside of medicine when other people, other physicians, other people at my main job started asking me what I was doing. I, like I, I felt like I should be ashamed of what I'm doing. Like I started making excuses about you know my locums business, excuses about my podcast, so that I can make other people feel good. Oh, you talk about my small little thing. That's just something I do on the side. I mean, yeah, I was doing it on the side, but it was something that I was putting a lot of energy into it. You know, and it was just after a while, I got sick and tired of discounting. Literally, you know, getting home at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night, and then working until three o'clock in the morning, just so that when I wake up and I get to work, I can literally belittle what I did. You know, from nine to three. You know, like that, that didn't make any sense anymore. So I, I got over it. And the long and short of it is I got over it by living in my truth, speaking my truth and documenting along the way. Right. And what I mean by that is 
I just said to hell with what other people think. This is what I'm passionate about. I know that I'm an excellent physician, but also at the same time, I'm really passionate about this. And you can't tell me that what I'm doing is not important or not. If you decide to ask me about what I'm doing, that's on you if you feel a certain way, a type of a certain way about it. I'm doing this. You can't stop me. And this is my truth. And I'm just going to put it out there. The other thing, too, also is documenting it, re- documenting your, your path or documenting your truth really takes a lot of the stigma away from things because you're failing in front of people, you're succeeding in front of people. And oftentimes, people tend to really latch on to folks who are open and strong enough to really fail in front of other people. And what I mean by that is that's the way in which I led this podcast is basically making all the mistakes, putting it out there and continuing to get better as an interviewer, asking better questions, starting to hold my guests to to uh, task on certain topics. If the audio quality doesn't sound good, letting you all know about why it doesn't sound good. If I made mistakes on my social media, you all it's all out there for you all to to see, but Basically, it's there so you all know that I am a work in progress. You know, I'm reading a great book right now. It's called Show Your Work. And trust me, a comprehensive review is coming soon. I'm going to be doing an episode on the books that I'm doing. But basically, it's about how to create authority, how to create brand authority simply by just documenting your process. It's an excellent book that I, rec- that I recommend to you all. I'm going to do a, a review on this. But basically... If you look at a lot of people right now who are killing it on social media or who are killing it on uh, with their business, I'm talking about the Gary V's, I'm talking about the John Henry's, I'm talking about all the other people out there who are doing it right now. They are literally doing it by demystifying the, the process of just being a CEO, being a business person, building a business from the ground up by just showing what they do on a daily basis, right? That to me is a very powerful tool to get over getting over imposter syndrome and I've used it and it for me like I said it's I still have it in small parts of my life but I've been able to get over a huge amount of it by just living in my truth and just documenting along the way and I'm telling you when you let it grab a hold of you you are not free you're worried about what others think about you you're not making the best person that you can be you're so worried about what others people what other people think it's you're not allowing yourself to be free Okay, and trust me, reading about it, listening to um, me talk about this, or you know, going on to the internet and reading about the studies that are about that, just knowing about it more is more than just half the battle. Okay, and now on to the last topic I want to talk about, which is handling rejection. Now, I struggled when doing this when I was thinking about how I'm going to present these topics to you, which one am I going to do first? Should I do what I, what I struggle with the most? Um, or should I do, um, you know, things that are the most, I guess back in the day I would look at as most embarrassing and I didn't want to talk about the most. I, I wasn't sure. So I have handling rejection here because I want to start it off by saying that rejection for me was very difficult and I've been able to get over it but, you know, the thing that I want to share with you all is that I applied to medical school twice. And the first time I was rejected and I was completely devastated. And I held that on to me very close. And it was something that, you know, I struggled with um, for a long period of time. And I didn't tell people about this. 
Um, I didn't lie about it if someone asked me about it, but you know, oftentimes it doesn't come up really like, oh, did you apply to school, medical, uh, medical school multiple times? No, it's just something I never talked about a lot. And I struggled with it because it was completely devastating for me. I became very depressed because it harkens back to what I said earlier in the show. When I was growing up and when I was going through this whole process, I was so fixated on becoming a doctor. I really felt like literally I was put on this earth to be a doctor. And when I was rejected, you know, you got to remember that like, that not only was a rejection of not being able to get into medical school, that was a rejection on me, like my whole existence, I thought at that moment, right? It was a very difficult time for two years, what I was, what I was going to do. Am I going to do anything else? I, I mean, I was that guy who literally did not, like I put all my eggs in one basket. I didn't take classes in anything else because I wasn't really interested in anything else. At least so I thought. But, you know, to, to get to the point to fast forward a little bit for the sake of this podcast, we can talk about that on another, on another show. I picked myself up, okay, in two years. I applied again two years later and the rest is history. We're here, right? But I'm not talking about that type of rejection, all right. I'm talking about rejection in the sense of losing in the same way. Okay. And what I mean by that is asking and learning to embrace certain things that you know will get you a no with the hopes of, okay, I'm putting myself out there. And when I get that no, I know that I know exactly what I can use to make my pitch better, make myself a better business, or just make myself a better person in general. So it, it's, be, it's become not just rejection from someone just saying, no, you can't do this, to embracing, embracing losing so that when I lose or not get um, uh, that specific guest that I want, that sponsor that I want, um, whatever locums position that I want, if, or if I want a physician to join my locums company, when they say no, or a hospital says no, they don't want a contract with my business. I know that this now is an opportunity to learn, right? I've gotten so many no's, so many not the right times. Who are you? <laughs> your podcast is about what? You want me to be on your show to talk about this? Hell nah right? It's never that extreme, but basically, you know what I'm talking about. You know, why should I, you know, from a sponsor standpoint, why should I pay for this podcast or why should I sponsor this podcast and why should I pay this amount? And, you know, there's rejection that you have to accept, right? You don't get into medical school or you don't get into a certain program. You have to accept that and move on. Um, or you can look at rejection as a moment to pivot, right? So from trying to get guests on my show, how can I improve my pitch? How can I make my messaging better so that when I present to this person or when I write to this person, hey, would you consider coming on Docs Outside the Box to talk about you know, ways in which you can do blah, blah, blah. I need to make it so compelling that when this person says no or if they say no, it's on them, right? Or if they say no, then how can I even make it that much better that they can't? What else can I do to make my show that much more What's the word? Appealing to guests, to high-profile guests. How can I improve the overall aesthetics of the show? How can I improve the website? Can I improve my emailing? Can I high, use my virtual assistant to reach out to people that makes it seem that much more professional? Is the messaging of my show too generic? Right? So all in all, what I want to say is with rejection, it can be very painful, but also at the same time, it's really about creating enough value so that people will say yes to you. 
Use this opportunity to make yourself better. You got to learn to taste and savor the no's, right? Because it makes the yes that much more sweeter. And I've been, you know, on this path for the past three years, learning all of these different lessons. And I can talk to you individually about all the different things that I learned from each guest. But I think from a 30,000 foot view, those three things have really been the big keys that I've learned from all of my guests and from making this show for the past three years. You know, these are the biggest things that have helped me during these past hundred episodes. I really want to thank you all for going through this journey with me. For those who've been with me since episode one, yo, my aces, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for coming along this process with me. You really are, you know, docs outside the box nation. You know, I really appreciate you all being receptive to my voice, being receptive to the guests that I've had on the show. I'm going to continue to bring guests from so many different walks of life, a diverse amount of guests. We're not just your average, you know, podcast. We're not just your average docs outside the box show. You know, I've got some really great interviews coming up and I really can't wait for you all to hear them all. I'm going to catch you all on the next episode. But remember, before we jet, we only got one life. Let's make it count and live outside the box. Peace.